I'm glad to be here for this special day, and I'm glad to be a part of Bridot Messianic Synagogue. I'd like to thank all the people who helped make this happen. I thank my parents for all the work they put in for this occasion, and I'd like to thank Rabbi for helping me train me for my bar mitzvah. I'd also like to thank the office staff and worship team for all they have done to make this day special. The, speci the Beshalach portion covers Exodus 13 through 17. The portion opens with the Israelites leaving Egypt after the ten plagues and closes with Adonai promising to utterly blot out the name of the Amalekites. In the beginning of Israel's journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, Adonai led the Israelites the long way around, which was around the Philistines' land. Adonai knew that if Israel saw war, they would turn back to Egypt. Sometimes Adonai takes us down unusual paths because it is better than a shorter route. In this case, the short route would have been disastrous for the Israelites, and the long way proved safer and better. The Israelites would not be afraid of war because they still had a slave mentality. A slave would not look at war and have the confidence that they could overcome, but they look at it as a threat to their existence. While the Israelites left Egypt, they took the bones of Joseph with them, as they had pledged when Joseph died. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 25, Joseph declared, God will surely remember you, and then you are to carry my bones away with you. This was a prophecy that God would remember the Israelites in their bondage and lead them out of Egypt. The Israelites left Egypt and camped at Sukkot, and Adonai appeared to them in a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. The presence of Adonai never left the Israelites during their journey. The Israelites had not traveled far when, per when fa uh, Pharaoh once again had change of heart. Pharaoh gathered his people and 600 chariots to chase after Israel. When the Israelites saw the Egyptians, they were terrified. Israel cried out to Adonai, and they promptly took their complaint to Moses. Moses cried out to Adonai, and Adonai answered him. In Exodus 14, 13, Adonai told Moses, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Moses stretched out his hand, and the sea parted, and the children of Israel crossed over on dry ground. The word of God says that Egyptians followed the Israelites into the sea. Some of the Egyptians started to turn back when they saw Adonai was causing them to stumble and their wheels to break. The Egyptians acknowledged the hand of God was Israel, but it was too little too late. Critics refused to recognize the hand of Adonai in this miracle. They liked to claim that there was a drought or something which followed the Israelites to cross over safely. It's easier, if you ask me, it is easier to believe that Adonai parted the water and piled it up and poured it on Pharaoh than it is to believe the entire Egyptian was drowned in a foot of water. But either way, God be the glory. Adonai's command, Moses stretched out his hand and the waters of the sea swept over the Egyptians and not one was left alive. After the Egyptians were killed, Moses and the children of Israel began to sing the song of Moses. The song of Moses not only declared the might of Adonai, but it also contained some prophecy. It prophesied that the inhabitants of the promised land, Canaan, would tremble before, Adon before Israel, and they would flee from before them. The song of Moses contains the words to me, Kamoka. The song of Deborah, which is found in this week's Haftorah portion, is similar. The song of Deborah declares the might of Adonai, and it also reprimands the tribes that did not come to the aid of Israel against Sisera. The city of Moroz was even cursed for failing to come to the aid of Israel. This should tell us that Adonai wants people to 
fight for Israel, and that still applies for us today. After the whole sea of reeds showed down, the Israelites traveled three days and found no water. They grumbled and complained to Moses about the lack of water and the bitter water they found at Meribah. Once again, Moses cried out to God. Adonai showed Moses a tree and told him to cut it down and throw it into the water, and that made the water sweet. Adonai sometimes uses unlikely tools to accomplish his purposes. In the Haftor portion, he used a Canaanite woman, Yael, the wife of Heber, to kill Israel's Canaanite oppressor, Sisera. Adonai seems to pick people or things we might not pick as useful or helpful as solutions to our problems. The Israelites traveled and wandered in the desert and again complained to Moses, this time about food. Moses grew irritated and told them that they complained not against him but against God. Israel responded by saying they had plenty of bread and wonderful food in Egypt and that they sat by pots full of meat. Israelites seemed to have forgotten they were slaves in Egypt and were mistreated. Moses cried out to Adonai and Adonai heard him. Adonai sent manna from heaven and quail. The manna fell with the dew. The Israelites were instructed to gather only that day's portion, but some collected more and it rotted. What is interesting is that the manna did not rot overnight the sixth day. They collected two days of food over the sixth night. They had food to eat on, the Shabbat, on Shabbat when they rested. This was more proof the Israelites were being watched over and taken care of by Adonai. What is more amazing is that Anna was put in the ark and it never bred worms or rotted. Not long after receiving manna and deliverance from their hunger, the Israelites complained against Moses and tested God in the wilderness because of the lack of water. Moses again became angry with them. Moses was told by God to strike a water, strike a rock, and water flowed out. The Israelites were only happy when things were going well. This is a very common response many of us have towards God. Adonai had blessed Israel and protected them, and then they allowed their blessings to turn into stumbling blocks and something that led them to sin. The Israelites took God for granted when things went well, but wanted him when they were in trouble. People tend to turn to God more things when, turn, when things are turned upside down. None of us would be one to be treated that way. How would you like it if people only talked to you when they wanted something? The Israelites did this process over and over again. While Israel was wandering in the desert, the Amalekites sought to fight with them. At the end of this Torah portion, Joshua was told to gather men and go out and battle the Amalekites. While the Israelites battled, Moses was up on a mountain with Aaron and Hur. Whenever Mount Moses held his hands, the Israelites hold up his hands. The Israelites prevailed, but whenever Moses put his hands down, the Amalekites prevailed. When Moses could not hold his hands up any longer, they had him sit and Aaron held up his own hand on one side and her held up Moses' hand on the other side. Lifting one another up, the children of Israel prevailed that day. The raising Moses' hands could be seen as an allegory. When we raise up our hands and praise God, he blesses us. But when we put our hands down and drop our guard, things of this world creep in to seek to destroy our relationship with God. Is there somebody you can be lifting up in prayer? Is there somebody you know who is losing a fight? We need to stand in the gap for one another. Hold them up until they regain their strength. In 1 Timothy 6.10, we are told to fight the good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life. And in Galatians 6.9, it reminds us to not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. 
Adonias instructs Moses to build an altar and call it, The Lord is my banner. Is Adonai your banner? Lots of people have a favorite sports team and they never miss a big game. But Adonai is the author and finisher of your faith. Is he the one you cheer for? I hope that all of us can learn to recognize God's blessings and praise him always. Good morning and Shabbat Shalom. I'd like to thank everyone who made this bar mitzvah possible, Rabbi for helping us, the staff and for the slides, and the worship team for the music. My brother Isaac made some good points. I would like to focus on some additional details that tie together the Torah, Naftorah, and Brit Hadashah readings. A common theme running throughout the three portions is a lack of faith in God. At the beginning of the Torah reading, the Israelites were being chased by Pharaoh's army and were very afraid. During this time of panic, Moses made the statement in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, Adonai will fight for you and you'll hold your peace. Moses had faith and trusted God. He was trying to give that faith away or hoped it would rub off onto his fellow Israelites. This can apply to all of us. We can be inspired by a rabbi or parents just as the Israelites were by Moses, but at some point we all have to have our own faith. It is up to each person to trust God. Just because we go to a Christian school or because your parents are believers does not make us personally believers. Likewise, because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Like, simply attending synagogue does not make you a believer. At some point, all of us have to carry our own faith and believe that God has good will for us. We have to act on the promises of God even when we don't see it. The Israelites did not yet trust God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. The Israelites walked by sight. They did not have faith, or what faith they had came and went quickly. Yes, they did praise God after he delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians, but when they ran out of food and water, they complained against him. The Israelites did not believe God unless he gave them food or water. In the Brit Kadashah portion, we read that the people would not believe Yeshua unless he gave them signs and wonders. Like the Israelites in the wilderness, they would believe for a time, and then they wouldn't believe until they got more signs and wonders. It seems like they're more interested in the gift rather than the giver, or free food rather than the forgiveness of their sins. Their faith wasn't complete, but was based off whether or not Yeshua would keep providing them with signs and wonders. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Yeshua admonished them, Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the pagans eagerly pursue all of these things, yet your Father in heaven knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Yeshua reminded the believers about God's goodwill towards them. He said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened up to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it shall be opened to him. For what man among you, when his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, 
will he give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? It's okay to tell God the things that you need, but it is not okay to worry about it, and certainly not okay to complain about it. Sometimes we need to do what Moses said, to watch and wait and hold our peace. Moving on to the Haftor, Judges 4, chapter, ju chapter 4 of Judges opens with a sad pronouncement. It says, But B'nai Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So Adonai sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Once again, we see faithless Israel rebelling against God and refusing to walk according to his ways. Like a good father, the Lord sends them a consequence and allowed them, King Jabin of Canaan, to oppress them. God wanted them to turn from their wicked ways and turn back to him. In chapter 4, verse 3, it says, The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. God answered by speaking through the prophetess Deborah. She was judging Israel at the time. In the Torah portion, we saw the leader Moses trying to encourage people under him to walk in faith. In the judges portion, we see Deborah trying to embolden Barak, a leader in the army, to stand up against King Jabin's army. She asks him in Judges 4, 6, and 7, Hasn't Adonai, God of Israel, commanded, Go march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from Naphtali and sons of Zebulun. Then at the Kishon Torah, I will draw out to you Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, and all his chariots and multitude, and I will give them into your hand. Deborah seems to be asking Barak, Why, if God commanded you to do something, why are you still sitting here today? That's a word to us today. Before we judge Barak, are we any different? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Yeshua says, And Yeshua came up to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How are we sharing the gospel? We each need to do our part in what God has called us to do. Our family personally goes to the abortion clinic here in Pensacola to pray and protest. Two things there surprise me. First, the parking lot is always full of women seeking abortions. And second, there are so, people out, so few people out praying and protesting. Going to an abortion clinic to pray and protest may not be your cup of tea, but my point is that we all have to do our part. That is the idea of tikkun olam, repairing the world. If God told us to do something and promised to be with us, what are we doing still sitting here? In the Deborah and Barak story, we all know that Barak said he would not go unless she went with him. Because he wouldn't go on his own and insisted Deborah go with him, the victory of her sister came from an unlikely source. It came from Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. What we often lose sight of is that Barak still went and fought valiantly and is considered a hero. He's considered a hero in both the Song of Deborah in Judges chapter 5 and in Hebrews chapter 11. Not all of us are called to lead, but not all of us have to go on our own. Yeshua sometimes sent the disciples out two by two. Be a hero and go out and do what God has called you to do. Tikkun Olam, repair the world. This is why my brother and I want to donate our gifts from our bar mitzvah 
to the Emerald Coast Coalition for Life here in Pensacola and the Hatikva Project in Israel. Because Deborah, Brock, and Jael did what God called them to do, the Haftor portion ends in peace. Verse 31, the last chapter, the last verse in the chapter, says that the land had peace for 40 years. There is another interesting parallel in the Torah and Brit Kadashah regions. The Israelites ran out of bread and water in the wilderness. In response, God sent manna to fall from heaven. Yeshua is the Son of God who came from heaven. In John 6.35, Yeshua says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry, and whoever believes in me will not be thirsty. It's interesting that, God, Yeshua, that Yeshua called himself the bread of life. He also called himself the water. In John 7.37-38, it reads, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Yeshua stood up and cried loudly, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of the most out of the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Yeshua declared himself to be living water. He said he was bread and water because both of these two things give life and sustain people. The manna from heaven and the water from the rock sustained the Israelites for forty years until they entered the promised land. The manna was fresh every morning. If it was kept overnight, it bred worms. Faith is the same way. You can't live off yesterday's faith. It needs to be fresh every day. Yeshua will sustain us until we reach heaven and are in his presence for all eternity.